0: semifinals of the FCS playoffs are coming to Montana for the first time in more than a decade. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Saturday night in Huntsville, Texas, the Montana State Bobcats pulled off an upset for the ages, toppling top-ranked, top-seeded, and undefeated Sam Houston in resounding fashion. MSU freshman quarterback Tommy Malott caught a touchdown, threw a touchdown, and rushed for two more scores as Montana State surged to a 28-0 lead early in the second quarter on the way to a 42-19 victory. The win helps Montana State sew up a bit in the semifinals finals of the playoffs for the second year in a row, it also means that MSU will host South Dakota State in the first semifinal playoff game at Bobcat Stadium since 1984. The state of Montana has not seen a Final Four game since Montana defeated App State in overtime in 2009 to advance to the title game. MSU's victory marked the first road FCS playoff win in program history. It also marked the first time Sam Houston has ever lost a home game in the postseason and snapped a 22-game winning streak for the Bearcats, dating back to their under. Defeated spring season that saw Sam win their first national title. And finally, Friday in Harrisonburg, Virginia, the Montana Grizzlies ran into a buzzsaw. James Madison scored on a pair of big plays in the first half while knocking out Grizz quarterback Cam Humphrey before cruising to a 28-6 victory over UM. Montana's season ends with a 10-3 record. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a
1: red right hand.
0: A you in his arms, tell that you a good Little Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. They're so sweet. If you don't know about that band, you should go watch them live. They are uh, unique to say the least. But I remember when this song first came out on the Scream soundtrack. What a moment in time that was. Scream, what a funny movie. Scary and funny all at the same time. So 90s, though. It's now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanez. Coming to you from Northwest Motorsport Studio. Find amazing winter savings at Northwest Motorsport. You can visit nwmsrocks.com for the largest selection of lifted trucks, diesel trucks, and off-road capable SUVs. Take back control of the road with a new rig from Northwest Motorsport. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? Montana State head football coach Brent Vegan joined us right off the top. Great interview with Coach Vegan. He's got his team in the FCS semifinals for the second year in a row. MSU hosts South Dakota State Saturday, high noon, Bozeman, Montana. Got word out of Montana State that Bobcat Stadium already sold out. So pretty impressive. Fans are excited about it. First semifinal game in the state of Montana, period. Since 2009. And the first semifinal game in Bozeman since 1984. Unbelievable. We also talked a little bit about National Signing Day, particularly the in-state guys, the Montana guys, Expected tomorrow to sign with both the Grizz and the Bobcats. And we also told you some stories about our cross-country journey. Some of the best establishments we were able to hit up. Some of the best people we were able to meet. You can find everything from today's first hour on the Nuanas Now podcast. Which, by the way, keep downloading, keep rating, reviewing, subscribing. We have just put the podcast all the way to the moon so far this fall and into the winter and we need to keep it rolling. We love all the engagements, all the people that are downloading, all the people that are making time for us in their lives. So really appreciate it. But also thanks to our great sponsors, Sportsbet Montana, Blackfoot Communications, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel for proudly presenting the Nuanas Now podcast. Go out to the Rangers Brothers RV phone line, welcome in. Great friend of this show and a guy that's doing an amazing job covering FCS football at the national level. He's Sam Herter. Senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports, Sam. What's up, my man? How you
1: doing? Hey, I'm doing good. It's semifinal time, and so uh, certainly an exciting time in the FCS world. And I appreciate you having me on to talk about it.
0: You no, know, of course, man. Always love having you on. I actually got a distinct pleasure of sitting next to Sam at the uh, rivalry game in Missoula a couple weeks ago. But why, first of all, we got to start there, man. Watching you work, I even asked you. I said, "Do you ever feel like your brain's going to explode?" Because this guy's got every window you ever seen on his computer open. He's he's tracking. Every game that's going on, I don't know how you could possibly even pay attention to the game that you're actually at when you have all this other stuff, but you're just amazing to be able to cover football from coast to coast like you do, but you do a hell of a job, man, but just take us through it. I mean, how did you learn how to have that many different pieces of information being absorbed into your mind?
1: Well, I appreciate those kind words. But, yeah, it is a – it's really tough to do, obviously, uh, you know, every week trying to pay attention to everything that's going on, especially that last weekend of the regular season where, you know, every result – you know, it is nice because, you know, maybe – 20-30 20, 30 games have no impact at all on the playoff picture, but there were several games that impacted the playoff picture. So, was trying to pay attention to all that and look at the results and explain on Twitter how those results impacted the playoff picture, and that's fun to do. But the tough thing is when you're in a press box, like you, sometimes you 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 you, you know you're, you're on your computer, you're staring at your computer for five minutes, all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh crap, I just missed the last seven plays that <laughs> going right. on. And so, right. yeah, that's kind of uh, the unfortunate part of kind of trying to work that much in the press box, uh, but certainly, you know, enjoyed my time in Missoula, tried to soak in that environment, that atmosphere uh, as much as I could. Well, Hero
0: Sports released the All-American list today, so let's go, let's start there. A whole bunch of guys from the Montana schools landed on these and uh, a total of 40 players from the Big Sky overall. But first of all, what, what's your process in determining these teams? Because obviously there's a couple leagues in the country right now with very prestigious reputations, including the Big Sky, so it seems like a lot of times these le- these lists are weighted towards those leagues, and justifiably so. I absolutely agree with that. What's your process in just determining these All American squads?
1: Yeah, it's a it's, it's a very long process. I, I always forget to you know time you know myself as far as you know how much how many hours I put in, but. You know, it's probably a week's worth just of building out the database of putting every single all-conference player uh, into a big database, which is probably 1,200 players full, uh, just to make sure, you know, every single guy that got conference honors is at least getting consideration. Uh, You know, then from there, uh, you're kind of just sorting out, you know, obviously I don't stare uh, just at the box score and stats. Um, I think that's evident in these All-American teams where, you know, guy A has way more, whatever, receiving yards than guy B, but, you know, maybe guy B played tougher competition or I think is more skilled, and guy B will be the All-American. Uh, but obviously production, you know, it's a big deal. You know, no matter what league you're in, what conference you're in, if you have 20-and-a-half tackles for loss, you're probably going to be a dude. And uh, So obviously look, look at some numbers. Uh, you know, I watch a lot of FCS games, and you know I'm not going to pretend to be a scowits or a hardcore X's and O's guys, but you can you know, kind of tell watching these guys, um, you know, the talent level they have, uh, you know, year-by-year year year, consistency, you know, is big if you're a, a, a three-time first-team all-conference offensive lineman, that'll go a long way. Uh, you know, I, I look at uh, pro prospects as, as well. You know, if NFL draft scouts really like you, that'll go uh, a long ways uh, as well. And then shrink the schedule, too. Um, you know, who you're playing, if you're putting up big numbers against better competition, you know, that that's certainly uh, an area to look at as well. So, yeah, it, it takes a long time uh, to put it all together. Uh, and there is usually about t- 25 worthy guys to, that can only fit into 15 spots. And so it's tough to to really narrow down the, those final few guys. Well, the first team All-American list included
0: Daniel Hardy, a defensive end from Montana State, as well as Torrey Anderson, Bobcat uh, captain and the Big Sky Conference defensive player of the year, as well as Montana's Patrick O'Connell, who, like Anderson, is a finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award, as well as Justin Ford from Montana cornerback who finished fourth in the Buck Buchanan Award voting. And then now, as of yesterday, former Grizz punter, Brian Bushini, who's on his move. Uh, uh, he's on the way. He, he's on the move to Nebraska after declaring his transfer a couple days ago and announcing his commitment to the Cornhuskers today. But let's just talk about the uh, Buschini's side. Let's talk about those other guys. First of all, from the Bobcat perspective, not only, I mean, Troy Anderson, I think everybody expected if he if he stayed healthy, he'd be on this first-team All-League list and, or first-team All-American list. And he's such a... Unbelievable, transcendent talent. But from a guy that's covered Daniel Hardy since he first broke in at Montana State and kind of knows his backstory, a kid that lost his father when he was in high school and sort of gravitated towards football late but found the the communal and brotherhood elements of the game so fulfilling and healing to him, to see him come from what he was, a completely unpolished, raw-boned, skinny kid from Portland who'd only played football for a couple years to turn into – one of the biggest menaces coming off the edge. What an unbelievable story. And so for as much as people maybe expected Torrey Anderson to be on this list, Daniel Hardy came, kind of came out of nowhere. But I think that's one of the, the great stories among your first-team All-Americans.
1: Yeah, he's fun to watch, too. Just one of those guys that you know always seems, even if it's not a tackle for a loss or even a quarterback hurry or you know, a quarterback sack, it seems like he's always – you know, in the backfield or throwing, you know, the, the offense off of the rhythm uh, at, at least a little bit every single play. I mean, it's, and it's interesting too, because I think it was the the 2020 fall season that, that never happened. We still did a preseason All-American team back in like June uh, of that 2020 summer, just because you never knew if if the, if the season was going to happen or not. But I, I believe uh, that year, Amandre Williams, uh, was a preseason All-American for us, coming off a really good 2019 season. Uh, and Amandre still had a, had a really you know good season uh, as well. Uh, that you know kind of Daniel Hardy has kind of taken over that uh, that that scary edge rusher for the Bobcats. And so uh, you put those two on the same line w- with a guy like Chase Benson, who's on our third team. Uh, you know, just a, a really good defensive front there for the Bobcats. Sam Herder joining us, senior
0: analyst for FCS football for Hero Sports. And I also think that, Sam, Montana Montana State had two of the best defenses in the entire country this year, and that's also reflected in these lists. But you think about Patrick O'Connell, Troy Anderson, and Justin Ford are three of the four top vote-getters for the Buck Buchanan Award. So uh, break it down for us. I don't know if you want to reveal how you voted or not uh, on the air, but but, uh, what do you think of just the prestige of the defensive players that played for the two Montana schools this year and just the fact that those four guys, all of them, first-team All-Americans for Hero Sports?
1: Yeah, you know, it definitely says uh, a lot about the talent level at those two uh, schools. You know, looking at my, um, I, I just pulled it up now, my Buckby Cannon Award uh, in, in, uh, uh, ballot, and voters are asked to vote for their top five. Uh, I put Troy Anderson, number one, on my ballot, and then Patrick O'Connell. Uh, I have number three um, on my ballot, and those are the only two. Uh, I can't remember, you know, Justin Ford was obviously... Uh, considered on my end, but he ended up not being in my top five. Uh, and so that's how I went with, with those two Montana players. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Montana it seems like every single year uh, they kind of have that dude uh, at at the linebacker position. You know, coming into this year, uh, that that dude was Jace Lewis, who had a phenomenal year. He was a third-team All-American for us. But, you know, Patrick O'Connell kind of, um, you know, took over as that dude for for the Montana defense and was kind of a stalwart uh, there. And then, obviously, Troy Anderson, um, I mean, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe him in a way that hasn't been described before. You know, just a, a big guy, freak of an athlete, uh, you know, watching him in person. I, I got to see him in person offensively uh, a few years ago, but seeing him on defense and how he just closes the gap so quickly or closes off running lanes where it seems like the running back has an edge. You know, It, it seems like he has. You know, a bit of a corner right off tackle, and it looks like it's going to be an eight-yard gain. And all of a sudden, whoa! That only went for two yards because the Anderson just came out of nowhere and got that tackle. And so, uh, yeah, both of those guys are fun to watch, and both both of those defenses in the Montana, Montana, uh, Montana, Montana State really fun to watch. Other Montana school players that
0: received All-American honors from Hero Sports included Isaiah Afonso and Lewis Kidd from Montana State, landing on the second team list. Afonso, running back; Kid, an offensive lineman; Matt O'Donohue, the long snapper for the Grizzlies, as well as uh, outstanding kick returner Malik Flowers for Montana. Also a second team selections. You mentioned it. Chase Benson from MSU lands on the third team defense as does Montana linebacker Chase Lewis and Montana defensive back Robbie Hauk and Kevin Macias, Money Macias. Eighteen straight field goals during his senior year for Montana. He lands on the third team. And then also a couple guys that land on the sophomore and freshman list. Alex Governor for Montana, uh, interior defensive lineman, a sophomore All-American and then, of course, Brian Buscini as a first-team All-American. He's also on the freshman list for the Grizzlies, as is Cole Grossman, a tight end for Montana. Sam Herter joining us here on Nuanas Now. Let's talk a little bit about the results from over the weekend, Sam. First, let's talk about the game on Friday night. Montana went to James Madison, and they got their clock clean. They gave up more big plays in that game than they have pretty much all year, and then they also lost their starting quarterback and their starting receiver in the span of about five minutes. Very deflating Robbed the Grizz of a lot of their confidence. But all that said, James Madison is one of the better FCS teams I've seen in a minute. They are very talented. They have a lot of really good players. Cole Johnson, the quarterback, is very impressive. I think he will at least get a shot at the next level. I thought their receivers were FBS all day long. They had a couple guys defensively that are absolutely going to fit into the FBS right away as well. So just your takeaways from Montana's loss at JMU on Friday night.
1: Yeah, I mean, you kind of you described it as, as how I was thinking it. Uh, just the, the the talent difference between these two teams well, was pretty apparent. Uh, JMU they look like an FBS team. Obviously, they're, they're moving to the FBS after the season, uh, but they look like an FBS team. Uh, you know, just with their size and their length, how some of their guys are built. You know, the, the speed they have. Uh, you know, some, just with some how some of uh, the receivers, how they pulled away from Montana's DBs, uh, and so I, I think. You know, results like this, uh, you know, obviously you you never want to lose in the playoffs, but every team but one is going to lose in the playoffs. But when you lose this way, I think, you can certainly take benefits from it if you're Montana looking at, you know, okay, this is this is where we need to get to on the offensive, defensive lines, or, you know, maybe this these this is the type of skilled kid, you know, we need uh, maybe just get a little bit better athlete, you know, and turn them into a, a really good receiver or running back or, or what have you at the skill position. And so, uh, yeah, I think the, the talent differential was pretty apparent uh, in this one. You know, I, even with hum- well, Humphrey and uh, Samia Kim going down, I don't think that changed the result. It certainly had those guys been healthy, it would have been a closer game. Uh, but I, I still think Jamie would have won that game even if those guys uh, stayed healthy. But but still, obviously, you know, losing two seniors early in the game, that's gonna you know kind of have an emotional effect on the players as well. Well,
0: also a couple of guys that were out that maybe got glossed over, guys that maybe aren't necessarily those headliner type guys, but certainly veteran players. Joe Babros, former NC State transfer, is a defensive end for the Grizzlies, a senior, as well as Omar Hicks Anu who was a great player at cornerback for the Grizz this year, former Oregon State transfer. Neither of those guys played either. So the Grizz, certainly a part of the story from this season was the attrition. It's hard to deny, but also injuries are a part of a football for everybody. And so there's, a, you know, a lot of luck goes into having success. But Montana quarterfinals for the second year in a row, 10 wins for the second year in a row. I know people are a little bit disappointed around these parts because The Grizz do have so much apparent talent. It was a ferocious defense, a throwback defense, one of the better defenses I've seen at Montana, period, and and the best defense they've had for a decade-plus at least. Bobby Houck touted it as as the best defense he's had in Montana, which is nothing to sneeze at when you're talking about Coach Houck and the experience he has, but also the fact that he doesn't really uh, fall prone to hyperbole in those situations. But a a simple yet complicated question for you, Sam – did the Grizz take another step uh, this season compared to where they were at in 2019?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Uh, I think they're getting there as far as, you know, be, being a legit title contender, just just not there uh, quite yet, uh, which we already discussed, kind of the talent differential there. Uh, but I think they, they keep on making uh, big steps to being in that national title picture. 2019 hole was a really big step. Uh, this year, you know, I know they, they, they still made it to the same round as 2019, but I still thought uh, this this team kind of resembled more of a national title team than than maybe some past teams at Montana. And I think, too, uh, you know, I, I wasn't covering the FCS in the 2000s, so I'm not going to pretend I was watching the Montana Grizz in the 2000s, uh, but just the, the little bit I know about those teams uh, when they were dominating the big skies, they just kind of had, you know, an attitude about them, a swagger about them, and it seemed like this Montana team, uh, was as close to being that, you know, as, as the girls have been for quite some time where uh, just the, the defense is just ferocious and, and in your face. Uh, and you can tell, you know, the, the players, the coaches, they have a confidence about them uh, in, in a good way. And so I, it seems like, uh, you know, again, I don't know a lot about the 2000s, Montana, but it seems like that culture and kind of that attitude and swagger is coming back to the program from my perspective.
0: Sam Herter, Hero Sports. here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching in. Live on SWX Montana Television around the great state of Montana. Saturday night, Sam, Huntsville, Texas, Montana State destroys Sam Houston. They snap a long winning streak by the Bearcats, the defending spring national champions, a team that had never lost a home game in the FCS playoffs until Saturday. When Montana State goes up 28-0 in the first 17 minutes of the game, Tommy Malak caught a touchdown, threw a touchdown, and rushed for two more in a little bit more than a quarter of action, and all of a sudden MSU's up 28 nothing, and they cruise to a 42-19 victory over the top-ranked Bearcats. The th- the people that seemed the least surprised by this result was Montez State. I think that that's a true credit to the coaching staff and the players. I think it took a tremendous amount of courage to pull the trigger and bench a guy who had started 11 games in Matt McKay at quarterback, and uh, then McKay leaves which caused a lot of external drama, but it was hardly any internal drama. It seems like everybody on the Montana State roster fully believes in Tommy Mallott and his abilities. Uh, but were you surprised by, by the end result in Huntsville on Saturday
1: night? I was definitely surprised by the margin of victory. Uh, not necessarily surprised that Montana State won the game, although I did pick Sam Houston uh, to win this game, so, so got that one wrong. And you know, I, I mostly thought that, uh, Montana State would have a hard time being able to run the ball uh, against a, a pretty good Sam Houston defensive line. Uh, you know, which you know the Bearcats were pretty good up the middle. I thought, but you know Montana State had a a, a really good game plan uh, going into that game where they really attacked. Uh, you know the edges, uh, running the ball. You know, getting off tackle and also. Uh, they, they saw something in the Sam Houston corners. Although as I am a column, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of NFL draft uh, scouts like him and his skill level. Uh, but Montana State obviously saw something where they thought uh, their receivers could win, you know, fifty-fifty fade routes uh, against Sam Houston's corners. And so I thought Montana State had a really good game plan uh, going into it, uh, offensively, then defensively. You know, I don't even know necessarily if. if Montana State out-schemed Sam Houston. <laughs> Defensively, I just think they just overwhelmed them, you know, with the defensive line, even with some some key guys out of that game. Montana State just, you know, physically overwhelmed. Sam Houston was all over them. Uh, got after Eric Schmidt, you know, hit him hard several times. You know, Ramon Jefferson, I know he didn't look like it, but the Sam Houston running back, he's one of the better running backs uh, in the FCS. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't get going. Uh, Sam Houston's offensive line didn't get a push. Uh, and so just a really great uh, defensive effort from Montana State there to hold uh, a really good offense uh, to basically, uh, you know, there's a couple drives there were where Sam Houston got, got success, but for about 75% of that game, you know, Sam Houston just didn't, get in, just didn't get anything going. And now, this week,
0: we're down to four. So let's start with Friday night's game. Between the two programs over the last 10 years at the FCS level, James Madison hits the road to Fargo, to take on North Dakota State, and we've seen this matchup over and over and over again this time of year. But this is going to be a fun one because the last one, NDSU gunning for their ninth title in the last 10 years in the fall, as well as James Madison playing their last run in the FCS playoffs before they make the move up to the FBS. So what's your take on Friday night's game in Fargo?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be in electric environment. Uh, The the storylines on the field uh, are really fun. The storylines off the field uh, are really fun as well with GMU, uh, who's kind of been uh, the top contender to NDSU lately. Uh, The Dukes are leaving for the FBS, you know, a subdivision that I'm sure if NDSU had a magic wand, they would get a football-only invite uh, to the Mountain West Conference three, four years ago. Uh, And so NDSU is is kind of that that program and a fan base that is, is kind of some of it is wanting to, to go to that FBS level as long as that is that as long as that move makes sense. Um, you know, and the more teams, the more top teams that leave the FCS, uh, the more the cupboard, I guess, kind of gets bare as far as national title contenders. Where it looks like it's going to be NDSU, South Dakota State. And then the Montana schools, you know, battling out every year for the national title, then maybe another another team coming in uh, every other year or so to, to push those those teams in the upper Midwest. And so that's really an interesting dynamic. Uh, and then on the field, just two really good teams, physical teams. Uh, that it's going to be a stalemate, uh, I think. Uh, but JMU kind of brings in a different type of offense, you know, with a really strong passing attack. And, you know, if you're going to if you're going to beat NDSU, you know, it's going to be hard to do it by pounding the rock and running the ball, you know, 40, 45 times a game. Uh, and so that bodes well for JMU, uh, who, who likes to throw the ball 30 to 35, 40 times a game uh, with this kind of this, this new look offense to JMU.
0: Sam Herder, Hero Sports, joining us here on Nuanes Now. Last thing for you then, Sam, first Final Four playoff game. First FCS semifinal in Bozeman in 37 years. And crazy to think this was the first FCS semifinal game of any sort in the state of Montana since 2009. I've been doing this for 15 years and I have not covered a home semifinal game in since I left Montana to move back to Montana it's been a full decade plus unbelievable but a big moment for Montana State's program but also a big moment for South Dakota State because they have continued to build, continue to build. They're absolutely one of the four or five best programs in the United States. They just happen to be in the same conference and rivals with, North Dakota State, so they can't get over the top even in their own league, even though they're the only team that ever seems to beat NDSU during the regular season. They did that again this year, but uh, it's going to be a fascinating deal because I think that South Dakota State, they stubbed their toe a couple times during the regular season, including losing on a Hail Mary to South Dakota, and that made it so that they were unseated. But this is definitely one of the best teams in the country. They played for the national championship in the spring, so this is a tough draw for Montana State, but they got the game at home. And the Bobcats right now, they're playing with house money, man. So I think anything goes. To me, this seems like a coin flip, but what do you think of this matchup in Bozeman on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think it can go uh, either way. Uh, but I do think if South Dakota State is at their best, uh, they, they probably are the best team in the FCS, in my opinion, just with the defense. Uh, they bring to the table a really balanced offense. Uh, I, I like their, their passing attack. Um, even though I, I think their passing attack is a bit underrated just because they don't need to utilize it a whole lot. Uh, with that, a really strong offensive line, two-headed monster in Pierre Strong Jr. and Isaiah Davis, although we'll see if, if Strong is able to play. Uh, he, it sounds like he's in a concussion protocol, but he is one of the most dynamic players in the FCS. Uh, and right now a projected fourth-round uh, draft pick in 2022, which you rarely see FCS running backs even being projected as draft picks at all. Uh, let alone being in the fourth round. So so he's 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 a, a big deal if he can play or not. But even, I mean, obviously it's going to be hard to establish that run against a really good Montana State defense. But even if they can't, I really like Chris Oledulcan, uh the quarterback. The Yankee Twins are our two solid wide receivers. Uh, and then Tucker Craft, I think, is one of the top, if not the best tight ends uh, in the FCS. And so South Dakota State is all around a really strong team. At the same time, they're going up against a Montana State team that you know, kind of just has that it factor to them uh, right now. They're going to have a great home crowd uh, environment, uh, and so that's going to be a tough place to go for South Coast State to go and, and get a win. Uh, and Montana State is, uh, you know, like I said, it seems like they kind of have that it factor uh, right now. And you said it's they're playing with house money. You know, if they lose, uh, no one's you know no one's going to really think much if they do lose. But if they do win, you know, this tremendous story for the Bobcats just continues to get written in the Frisco, Texas.
0: He's Sam Herder you find all his great work at Hero Sports. Sam, love having you throughout the season. Maybe we'll catch up one more time before the end of the year. But in the meantime, happy holidays. Have yourself an outstanding weekend. And thanks so much for joining us here on Nuanas Now.
1: All right, you too. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Love talking football with that guy. He works his butt off, man. FCS fans are lucky to have him. I know he gets all sorts of grief on Twitter. Some of you fans are pretty crazy. (laughs) with all of your emotional rants, but lucky to have Sam Hurter, a guy that can put it in perspective for you on a national level, at the FCS level. He's the best in the business, and we love having him be a part of what we do here at ESPN Radio. James Basson moving up. Sam Houston, moving up. Why? What are the details behind it? I got all sorts of texts from all sorts of you fine people out there that are listening, asking me. So, give me a little financial breakdown, a little dynamic of what it actually means to move the FCS or from the FCS to the FBS, and is it a good idea for JMU and Sam Houston? Keep it right here. Nuwana's now ESPN Radio. Missoula Sports Center semifinals of the FCS playoffs are coming to Montana for the first time in more than a decade. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Saturday night in Huntsville, Texas, the Montana State Bobcats pulled off an upset for the ages, toppling top-ranked, top-seeded, and undefeated Sam Houston in resounding fashion. MSU freshman quarterback Tommy Malott caught a touchdown, threw a touchdown, and rushed for two more scores as Montana State surged to a 28-0 lead early in the second quarter on the way to a 42-19 victory. The win helps Montana State sew up a bit in the semifinals finals of the playoffs for the second year in a row, it also means that MSU will host South Dakota State in the first semifinal playoff game at Bobcat Stadium since 1984. The state of Montana has not seen a Final Four game since Montana defeated App State in overtime in 2009 to advance to the title game. MSU's victory marked the first road FCS playoff win in program history. It also marked the first time Sam Houston has ever lost a home game in the postseason and snapped a 22-game winning streak for the Bearcats, dating back to their defeated spring season that saw Sam win their first national title. And finally, Friday in Harrisonburg, Virginia, the Montana Grizzlies ran into a buzzsaw. James Madison scored on a pair of big plays in the first half while knocking out Grizz quarterback Cam Humphrey before cruising to a 28-6 victory over UM. Montana's season ends with a 10-3 record. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. One of my favorite songwriters, Jason Aldean. Man, I hope he comes back to Montana. Saw him in Bozeman once upon a time. It was awesome. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television, sharing some of my music from my Spotify rap for the year. Hope you're having an outstanding Tuesday and an outstanding week so far. This is the last week of 2021 for Nuwana's Now. We'll be back at it full force in the new year couple pieces of news breaking from uh, during this show. Steph Curry has hit a three-pointer to become the NBA's all-time leader in three-point shots made. Only a matter of time for the greatest shooter in basketball history, but he breaks Ray Allen's record tonight. And uh, I don't actually even know how we reach this point in society or as sports fans where there could be any hate for a guy like Steph Curry. I can't believe that people try to hate on him. He plays the game with so much joy. I mean, you might be annoyed because he chews on his mouthpiece or something, but it's like, get over it, man. The guy is so fun, and he's so fun to watch, and he does it right. He contributes to his community. He he just seems like he's got it all ironed out and so awesome for him. Also, on a local note, Brooke Stainer, a phenomenally talented young lady from Missoula Sentinel who joined us on this show a couple times. Last spring, one of the great track athletes in the state of Montana. She just gave her commitment to the University of Montana. I, I say that with surprise in my voice, only because Brooke Stainer is lights out. I mean, she won five different events at the Class A State track meet as a junior last year for Missoula Sentinel. And so awesome for her to be staying home. But she had offers from Washington, Washington State, Clemson, Oregon State. She'll be a heptathlete here at Montana. And this is actually pretty cool. I talk about this on the show a lot, and if you've been paying attention, it's worth noting. But Lindsey Hall is one of the great track athletes to come out of the state of Montana. Missoula Big Sky alum, who had a phenomenal career with the Grizz. She was a multiple-time All-American in the multi-events, both indoor and outdoor She's back at her alma mater coaching the multi athletes at Montana. And Brooke Stander told Sean Rainey of SWX Montana Television, he's the one reporting this news, that uh, staying home and competing for Lindsay Hull, w- with Lindsey Hall was definitely one of the big draws. So Montana has had some of the great multi athletes in the history of the Big Sky Conference, national level multi athletes, particularly Lindsey Hall and Erica McLeod. And, uh, great draw for for a great get i should say for montana track and field brooks Danner one of the best in the state in quite some time Stay at home at least for now still has to sign and all that stuff but uh congratulations to her and also congratulations to a good friend of this show missoula sentinel track coach craig metler a good friend of mine and the guy who's had a, a big influence on brooks development as an athlete while we were at Bridgeforth Stadium in Harrison, Virginia, Harrisonburg, Virginia, excuse me, covering Montana at James Madison, and then while we were in, uh, at Elliott T. Bauer Stadium in Huntsville, Texas, covering Sam Houston against Montana State, I got all sorts of texts with people from the Treasure State asking me about the attendance, what it looked like on TV, basically saying, "Man." We draw so well in Montana at both Washington Grizzly Stadium and Bobcat Stadium. These stadiums don't look like they draw nearly as well. How are these teams moving up to the FBS? So I wanted to explain a little of the logistics of this. Because moving up to the FBS, it takes a lot of things. And there's also a lot of reasons why you would do it. To go from the Colonial Athletic Association into a league like the Sunbelt for James Madison, the main motivations or elevated level of competition in a conference that's similarly a good fit regionally, but also there's a huge money draw. So the way that most Division I programs make money or generate revenue, I should say, is threefold, especially at the Power Five level. The number one money maker is television rights. The Power Five conferences, the SEC network, the Big Ten network, the Pac-12 network, they're paying anywhere between $25 and $50 million per school as part of the revenue sharing for those big television uh, networks that the leagues operate. They also can make money on student athletic fees. And At schools like Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Alabama, they have such huge student populations that a couple thousand dollars in your student athletic fees generates millions and millions of dollars. Then, you generate revenue off ticket sales. Even though Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, they play in front of venues that have you know, upwards of seventy-five to 100,000 people in them, they make a lot of money at the gate, as they say in the business. But it doesn't compare to the TV money, and at the very most, it's probably comparable to the student athletic fees. So most, especially in the Power Five, but a lot of places, your revenue stream is not primarily from ticket sales. That is... I'm not going to say unique, but very rare. And Montana, Montana State, they have been like that forever. Both of the Montana schools, they get subsidized at a uh, much less of a level than most of their Big Sky Conference contemporaries. Like, for example, schools like UC Davis, Eastern Washington, those schools are getting 75% of their athletic department budget subsidized either from the state or the university or student athletic fees. They're hardly making money. Or, or generating revenue based on ticket sales. So when you're looking at the stadium in Huntsville, Texas, and there's 7,500 people there, and 1,500 of them are Bobcat fans, and you're sitting there thinking, why is this school moving up? Well, they ha- they fit the, the capacity requirement in terms of how big the stadium is, but more than anything, they're doing it in the pursuit of trying to attract more students, but also just they, they can boost their revenue in different ways, that have nothing to do with the amount of tickets that you sell. The sad truth is that, first of all, the model in which the Montana schools operate under is the most challenging model you can operate under as a Division I program. Also, though, there's certainly outliers, but almost across the board, from a pure revenue generation standpoint for your football program, it is more lucrative... And more financially feasible to move up to the FBS and play in a non-power five league, a league that you know people in the Big Sky might scoff at, like the Sun Belt. And you're still going to make more money by going completely defeated, never winning a game, and playing in front of half full stadiums than you will at the FCS level for a variety of different reasons, but namely twofold: money, games, and television rights. James Madison will move up to the Sun Belt. They will then be a more uh, alluring and a more enticing opponent in the non-conference for schools like Virginia Tech, Virginia, Maryland, schools in that area. When you're in the FBS, you're getting paid twice, if not more, of the buyout. So, For example, Montana got paid $675,000 $675, to go to the University of Washington this last year. When Idaho played Penn State that a couple years back, they had just moved down to the Big Sky, but that contract was signed as an FBS opponent for the Nittany Lions. Idaho got paid $2 million for that game. You get paid way more in the money games if you're a low-level FBS than you ever will if you're an FCS, even if you are an incredibly high-level FCS. North Coast State has never made a million dollars for a money game. Most money games against Power Fives for a group of five teams – or a million, if not more, and sometimes upwards of two, two and a half million. So you're getting significant revenue just from money games. You also have an opportunity to get significant revenue from TV. And, you know, I used to make fun of Ryan Tutel, my old radio partner here, about his obsession with Tuesday night Maction. He used to always be watching Tuesday night Maction. The MAC is sort of a non relevant league at the FBS level, it's a place where a lot of coaches have sort of tried to revive their careers. It is fine football, but they play those games on ESPN. That's money. That's revenue for the league. You don't get that at Montana and Montana State. The schools in Montana don't make any money on TV, hardly nothing. And so the business model of the Montana schools is a tough one. It's a true testament to all of you listening to this show that it is a sustainable one because – the fan bases are so great, and the turnouts for football games on Saturdays are so consistently awesome. But I guess if you're saying, well, man, Montana draws way better than James Madison and Sam Houston, well, Montana also doesn't have student athletic fees. And they also don't have any real potential for TV revenue unless they were to move up. And so it's going to be a fracturing. As Sam Herder from Hero Sports said earlier on, what will the FCS be if it's just... NDSU and South Dakota State and Montana and Montana State as the perennial powers. I mean, that's that's good, but you need more people to have a seat at the table. And so I just wonder, because at the end of the day, if sustainability and making sure you maintain Title IX balance, if all that stuff continues to be a high priority, then money has to be a high priority as well. So how do you reallot it? How do you match or or replicate that revenue without having to make a jump. I'm not sure, and I think that there's going to be some crazy times ahead, a lot of reorganization and a lot of restructuring on the horizon for Division I football as a whole. So uh, if you want to say why would James Madison and Sam Houston move up, the easy answers are more attractive to recruits, more opportunity for television money, and at the end of the day, as it always is, the almighty dollar. That's the reason it's all about money. Unfortunately, but it is what it is. On is now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Give you a little tease for what's coming up tomorrow. I'll keep it right here, ESPN Radio.
1: At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond.
0: 9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I bet you didn't know this song was originally by Black Sabbath. Little Metallica for you here. On your Tuesday, this is The Final Word, presented by Eagle Satellite. Teachers, Eagle Satellite knows you've had a lot of challenges and changes to adapt to in the past few years. And you get home, make life easy with Dish TV. Not only that, but you'll get a free TV package with TV starting at $57.99 a month. Eagle Satellite also offers internet for $50 bucks a month. Call Eagle Satellite, 406-728-9999. That's 728-9999 for your pre installation today. What's up tomorrow? Leon Costello, Montana State Athletic Director will join us. we also have Alex Esselman swinging by and a phenomenal ESPN roundtable with Ryan Davis. He's a senior tight end for the Bobcats and one well, of the proud members of the Blackfeet Nation representing his team and his people in the FCS semifinals. A great conversation with Ryan Davis. We'll see you tomorrow. 4 p.m. Nuana's is now.